This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sophie Scott. And I'm James Gill. Our mission is to make wellness accessible to everyone. We'll be chatting with our favourite people. Sharing uplifting news stories. And delivering tips and tricks. To bring balance to your lives. Hello, welcome to the Balance Podcast. This is the third podcast we've done this week that's tied into Mental Health Awareness Week. And this is a bumper episode. Oh my gosh. So we've got Tom Daly, one of the most beloved sports people of a generation. We talk mental health we talk body image which we, which is the theme of this year's mental health awareness week and and tom takes us on his his mental health journey you know we we, we remember 2012 when we we all were rooting for him to win gold it didn't it didn't quite work out and then it turns out the lad was suffering you know he was a, he was a teenager he's only 24 now and as he says in this chat he's been diving since he was seven so Tom's a lad who's been through a heck of a lot, and, and a lot of that has happened. Um, he's essentially been brought up under the, the, the glare of, of the, the media. So we, we talk about mental health. He's such a... <laughs> he's 24, he's an adult, but I, I, sort, of, I sort of love him like a son. Uh, and that will come across in this chat. I've interviewed Tom before, and I really, uh, as you'll pick up, I think the world of this guy. I think he's such a... Such a sweet dude. Oh, crikey, I'm nearly, nearly bursting into song. Uh, so we chat with Tom, who is just a immensely likeable power of, of good. I, I love Tom Daly. And um, maybe you're the same at the, the next Olympics, uh, Tokyo. We will be cheering Tom on until until our, our voices are, are hoarse. We, we also chat with uh, Dr. Elena Toroni, who is incredible. Uh, I love to talk to anyone uh, I shouldn't say talk to I love to listen to anyone uh, who works in therapy so Dr Elena talks a lot about therapy and and mental health um, what, what, what a wise person <laughs> it's just really lovely for Sophie Scott the the editor and founder of balance it was lovely for Sophie and I to pick Eleanor's brains on on all things therapy I, I would say if you don't have a therapist or you're not you're not into therapy but you would like to know more then you will you'll really get a lot out of the the dr eleanor chat um and then also because the theme of this year's mental health awareness week is body image we talked to uh, matt Lindsay, who is a, a pt from raw fitness and that is raw like a lion 
Sophie Scott did an impression of a line. I hope that has made the edit. I will be finding out. Um, anyway, oh, by the way, before I, before, before we start, huge thank you as always to Henry. Um, he, he does exist. He's sort of like Norm's wife in Cheers, but I, I promise he, he does exist. Henry, thank you very much for all your editing. Uh, as I say in every episode, if you want to drop me a line, podcast, it's very needy this bit, podcast at balance.media. And then to keep the lights on, hey, we're a free title. You know, it all helps. Sales at balance.media. Sales at balance.media. Um, I hope you've enjoyed these these bonus episodes. I hope you have a lovely weekend. It depends when you listen to this, doesn't it? Um, anyway, we, I think we, we, will, we will kick off with a, a chat with the, the lovely, sunny uh, Tom Daly, who, who by the way, um, has recently won some more medals. There, there was a, a world diving event in Canada, and he won again. So Tom Daly is actually in, as he says, the, the, the form of his life, which is very exciting. The guy's only 24. Um, he's, he's, he's achieved so much and he's won so much. And yet, as you will discover, just has both feet firmly on the terracotta. God bless him. I love, I love Tom Daly. Um, thank you again. Bye-bye. Hello. Tom, Hello. how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Well, I'm all the better for hearing your lovely voice. Ah, oh, how about that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we we, ch we chatted a couple of years ago, so it's lovely to uh, to, to drop in with you again. Um, but by the way, just huge congratulations with everything because you must be thrilled with uh, how the last few weeks are going, and and indeed how the future is is shaping up. Oh yeah, like it's been it's been a whirlwind of a year. Like if I flash back to how I was last year, this you know I was sick, I was injured, and everything was a struggle, and I didn't think I was going to be able to make it through to Tokyo. But then you know I took a break, and something that was good for my mind and body to be able to just switch off, and just sometimes and you know your body and your mind just has enough, and being able to switch off, and obviously now. Um, being a parent has been the best thing ever. It's changed so many perspectives of the way that I think about things and how things are. And now coming back and being able to find my form again is, uh, you know, it's definitely been uh, a great year so far. So, so I think a, a lot of people like the idea of taking a break to recharge and reset, and then they don't they don't go through with it. So, what could you could you almost sell to those people what what happened there? Why why it, helped you and why it's important to do that sort of thing yeah i mean obviously it's very difficult for some people depending on your job obviously to take a, a break of the amount of time that i do <laughs> true with, yeah you know with my with my profession it was like it was something that you know i've been doing it since i was seven years old so um when by the time i got to 23 i was like okay my body needs a little bit of a break my shins are starting to crack my hips are sore my back sore I'm getting sick all the time. Like I just needed to be able to um, switch off for a little bit. And you know, I took a few months where I just was able to really unwind and be able to take some time to be able to focus on, you know, getting better and focus on making sure that I was healthy and fit and being, you know, getting ready to go back into the sport. And I think, you know, when it comes to uh, like holidays and things like that, when people, um, you know, if they, I don't know if obviously everyone can do a holiday and be able to, um, use their vacation however they like but 
being able to actually really spend the time to like, even if it's just like a digital detox or being able to step away from your normal everyday life. If you have a week off, being able to just, you know, step away from the norm and just be able to go somewhere where you can just switch everything off and just be able to truly relax, I think can make a massive, I think, you know, the idea of recovery is so underrated. People don't focus on their recovery enough. Like even when I'm training every single day, the importance of being able to have recovery immediately after a training session and being able to get that 20 grams of protein within 20 minutes. People do workouts every single day and they, you know, they work so hard in the gym and then they forget about the most important thing, which is recovering and replenishing your muscles so that they can adapt and grow and be able to uh, see the benefits of the workouts that you've been doing. And obviously that's something that you have to be able to do in order to be able to get the benefits of the training. So, you know, recovery is a really important part of uh, working hard too. Absolutely. I mean, you've been a real advocate of, of, of mental health. Uh, male mental health is something that's often in the, in the news. What can, what can we as men do better to, to move things forward? How can we uh, improve the conversation around male mental health? Talk, talk about it. That's the, the, the plain, I think the plain and simple thing is being able to not be British about <laughs> it and being able to just be like, you know what, I'm going to ask if he doesn't look like he's okay. I'm going to ask if he's okay. How are you doing? How's everything going? How are you feeling? Being able to just talk about our feelings, our emotionals, and being able to talk about when we're not okay and knowing that it's okay to ask for some help and it's okay to, ask to have a support network around you if you need it. And I think that's where, you know, I feel like men sometimes can be, or British people can be like, you know, I don't need help, I'm okay, I'm tough, I'm going to put on my game face and I can carry on. And, you know, that's all well and good and that is fantastic. But being able to talk about how you're feeling, if you're not having a good day, let's talk about it. Because sometimes when you talk about things and get it off your chest, you can really see the perspective of it, you can really see what's going on. And you can, you know, you know being able to talk to someone is the first step of being able to feel better. Now, that's something you've you've also talked about is, is meditation. Now, in my experience, meditation is something that a lot of certainly a lot of my friends they like the idea of it and they get that it's incredibly beneficial. But when you actually push them as to whether or not they do it, <laughs> you that you then you, you draw blank. Now, I know you are an advocate, so please, can you could you help all of us pull our finger out when it comes to meditation? What are we what are we all missing out? Well, I yeah. I mean, when I first got told about meditation, I, I kind of thought, yeah, right, okay, whatever, no, this isn't going to work, like, let's be real, like, whatever. And then it wasn't until, like, I made, like my husband Lance was like, you know what, we'll do it together. We'll sit down every morning, uh, or have our breakfast, and right after breakfast, we'll sit down and do 10 minutes of meditation together, like a guided mindfulness type thing. And we just got into the habit of doing that every single day, and then you know, the first few days, I was like, oh my goodness, is it really, I can't actually count to 10 and breathe and count my breath without thinking about something else yes. or without thinking about oh what have I got to do next what am I doing now and being able to just if you think about it 10 minutes is really not that much time out of your day if you know when you wake up in the morning I bet most people roll over they look at their phone and they sit on their phone for 10-15 minutes checking Instagram before they even get out of bed so little things like that you can be able to making time to look after yourself is really important and you know we spend so much time rushing around and doing all these things that being able to just take 10 minutes out of your day to sit down and focus on yourself and help yourself um, for because once you start doing those mindfulness and meditation techniques it can help you on all of the different things throughout your day if you're having a stressful moment at work a stressful moment at school if you're under pressure doing certain things being able just to bring it all back to your breathing is just such a powerful technique to have
What, what impact has it has it had on you, Tom? Not just not just when it's come to diving, but when it's come to you know the the, the full gamut of life. Well, in any kind of stressful situation, if you're, for example, like there's you know now that um, I'm a parent, I when I'm on a, when I'm on a plane, sometimes I can get a little bit worried or a little bit panicked, and sometimes then I you know I just go back to focusing on my breathing, or if I'm you know on a if I'm running late for something, I, you know, when I get there, I, you know, just take a moment to compose myself. There's, there's so many different things that you can use mindfulness and meditation for to be able to bring yourself back into the moment. Uh, am I also right in thinking that you, you actually use mindfulness, and, and I'm talking 10 seconds or so, you, you actually use that while you're competing, so it's not even a case of taking a chunk of time out of the day. You're actually doing it in the here and now. Is, is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. I, at the back of the board, before I go in every competition, you'll see me closing my eyes and doing 10 really big deep breaths to be able to bring myself back to the present, slow my heart rate down and just feel comfortable, calm and collected. And that's something that's like really important to be able to do to get the best out of your competition. Now, now you're doing that, we're talking at the, the, the biggest sporting events imaginable, so there's no reason why us mere mortals, I mean, we can, we can do that on the train and on the tube and on the bus, can, can we not? Yeah, you can do it anywhere. Whenever you've got a 10 minute time to sit down, you know, you can do it, whether you're on the train, whether you're on the bus, whether you find a quiet, you know, obviously it's better and easier when you first start doing it to do it in a quiet place where you can just sit on your sofa at the end of the day or at the beginning of the day to be able to just sit and focus on your breathing. Um, but then once you start getting good at it, you can do it anywhere. And you can do, even if you like find yourself getting stressed out in the middle of the day, being able to do like 30 seconds here and there is a help as well. Now, now I know that r right now, Tom, you've got the world by the, the tail. You, you, you may need to build an extension at home to fit in the latest raft of medals that you've, <laughs> that you've just won. So I know that, Tom Daly, right now, you're, you are on that, the, the, the metaphorical top diving board of life. But you know, I know where you are right now, you know, back in 2012, you, you know, you've gone through some tough times. Just, just for people who might not know, what, what sort of stuff have, have you gone through and, and I ask that as someone who could not be more thrilled at how wonderfully well everything is, is going now I mean you know during the 2012 Olympic final there was an incident with the camera flashing one of my dives and I lost where I was and after that I like couldn't even do the dive I was standing up on the end and I was terrified I couldn't walk on the lines on the pavement I couldn't eat certain things and I was just absolutely terrified and had this lost movement syndrome to the point where it was ruling my life enough for me to not want to dive anymore and it you know i went through all kinds of different like post-traumatic stress disorder treatments to be able to because i know like it might sound um silly but it it's something that was so traumatic to me and you know it happened in front of eighteen thousand people in the pool and then millions of people watching at home and it just was playing on my mind constantly constantly and it was like a real dark time, especially because after 2012, you know, London 2012 was all that I was looking to. And then, you know, that happened and that went. And then I was like, what now? So I found myself in like a bit of a hole. Yeah. So, you know, it took me a while to get out of that. And it was not, it, you know, and, you know, I owe a lot of that to Lance and meeting him. And, you know, he was, he was someone that really challenged me to think about what I needed to do to uh, move forward. And he inspired me because he was great at what he did and he was at the highest level of his field. And, you know, I was like, you know what, I want to be back to that. I want to be back to enjoying what I'm doing and enjoying what I love to do, what I've, all that I've known. So, you know, and then I slowly got back into it and remembered why I love doing it in the first place. And I imagine it's no coincidence that, uh, given all these lovely things that have happened in recent months and years, 
is this this is perhaps now why you're in what many feel is the the form of your life that that's probably not a coincidence is it you've managed to get these building blocks in place and now we see tom daly absolutely flying i think yeah i mean i've had the best season so far in my life and yeah. being able to i think that that comes down to a lot of things that i've been doing that i've focused a lot more on my uh, rest and recovery. I focus a lot more on my flexibility and mobility, my post-training recovery, my mindfulness, my, all of these different techniques and different things that shifted my perspective. And, you know, it's, I, I guess you could say it comes down to a lot of experience as an elite athlete. And it comes down, and I feel like this year is the first year where I've kind of finally cracked the code, if you like. Now, that is super. Now, everyone's a Tom Daly fan, but that is so exciting to hear ahead of Tokyo I mean you must be you must be rubbing your hands together just at the thought of that I mean you know you never know what's going to happen when it comes down to a driving competition and you know I'm always going to do my best and I'm always going to try my hardest but you know like I said you know I've got a son now and I'm a parent and you know that that always will be any medal that I win so um, being able to just go into the competition knowing that and knowing that he's going to be there watching and knowing that I can go home and have, you know, cuddles from this smiling little baby is going to, you know, it, it really does shift your perspective. And that, I think, also allows me to be able to drive better because I don't worry so much or put so much pressure and expectation on myself. Tommy, you, you can't see me on the other end of the phone, but you, you nearly you nearly have me crying there. It, it doesn't take much to get me <laughs> to get me crying, but that, that's uh, that's beautiful thing. Now, how, how lovely was it uh, the reaction of the the great British public? Because you know some sports people that the public like them, but you fall into that bracket where you are adored. I imagine you walk down the street and old ladies want to put their arm around you. How 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 beautiful has that been? Your relationship with the uh, the because it's not just sports fans; it's it's the wider public, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I've always been so grateful for the support of the British public and how, I know, and people around the world as well are being so lovely and kind and caring. And, you know, sometimes people know more about me than I know about myself. <laughs> yeah, how's, your tricep, how's your tricep doing? And I'm like, what do you mean my tricep? Oh, yeah, I've got, I had a bad tricep last week. Yeah, you're right. And then, you know, I get some things, sometimes people come up to me in the street and say, like, where do I know you from? You're like, this happened to me yesterday. And a lady came up to me and was like, where no. do I know you from? Are you serious? Are you an actor? Yeah, she was like, are you an actor? And I was like, no. And you were like, are you a singer? No. And, and then she was like, oh, go on, tell me. And I was like, I'm a diver. And she was like, oh, I didn't recognise you with your clothes on. And she was like, okay. So good. So, like, things like that happen quite often. But that's, that's beautiful, isn't it? That makes you, I mean, that makes the heart sing, doesn't it? That sort of thing. Yeah, it was quite. It was quite funny to be fair. Now, may, may I may I ask uh, bulk bulk protein? So I know it's not just for elite athletes. Uh, for for any of us who who enjoy swimming recreationally. By the way, you're talking. You are talking to someone who is dreadful at swimming but loves it with all of his heart. So how do we incorporate uh, bulk protein into our everyday lives? Yeah, I think there's you know. For, for me, bog powder embodies so many different styles and different lifestyles uh, when, and different um, relationships that people have with fitness. And there's so many different types of, pro- like, you know, there's vegan protein, there's uh, whey protein, there's all, all these different things. That, but mainly, the one thing that I would say to people is that regardless of whether you're an elite athlete, regardless of if you're doing it for fun or if you're doing it just for uh, working up to London Marathon, your recovery is key. And there's one thing that I could try and get people to get into the habit of doing is having 20, at least 20 grams of protein post-training within 20 minutes. 
I guess it's a good thing with Tokyo 2020 coming up, that 20 grams of protein within 20 minutes is the key to being able to recover and replenish all of your protein stores so that you can actually um, you know, see the benefits in, uh, from your workout. May, may I ask, because it's, it's Mental Health Awareness Week th- this week, and I know the theme this year is, is body image. Is, is that something that, you, that you've ever had an issue with? Because I know some sports people have... Oh, oh, really? Yeah, I mean, I guess in my sport, I guess is probably the closest you can get to being naked um, in any sport. So being able to stand up on the end of a diving board and, you know, be in very minimal clothing is something that, you know, of course you, of course every time I look look in the mirror, mirror, I find myself catching myself, oh gosh, this, oh no, I shouldn't have eaten that, oh, I feel horrible. you, You do find yourself going into that downward spiral sometimes and you kind of have to catch yourself and realize that you're doing the right thing and you're eating the right things and you're doing the right recovery and but people's bodies change all the time and not everyone's body is the same and not everyone's going to look the same we're not you know made to be um clones of everyone we everybody sure. is different and i think people really need to just start seeing the value in people's differences so that you know rather than attacking people for their differences how, how did you overcome that? You know, you, you of all people, because obviously that, that's the whole point of body image problems. That e- even someone who looks like you, and you know, and I mean that obviously is a huge compliment. How, how did how did you overcome the, those issues? I just think, as human beings, um, I feel like sometimes we can never be satisfied. Uh, we always want more. We always want to be uh, better. And we all, well, for me as an athlete, I always want to improve. I always want to get better. I always want to be the best me that I can possibly be. And that's why I train so hard every single day. And with that kind of thing, you, you just have to, I guess you just have to be able to be happy within yourself. And I think that's where it all starts. And being able to talk to people is uh, being able to express concerns or being able to voice how you're feeling in that particular moment is really where the start of all of it, all of it comes from. It's just being able to have that support system around you. Now, be, now before we go, because I, I know that, that time is tight. Now, if, if I can get a plug in for you, uh, if people would like to know more about feeling healthier and maybe getting a, an exercise regime in place, I know someone who's written a couple of books. Now, Tom, you're... you're, <laughs> you're, 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 you're but you're, they went down a storm, didn't they? And Tom Staley Girls. Yeah, Tom Staley Plan and Tom Staley Girls. Like, you know, Tom Staley Plan was a, my, the first book where I was talking a lot about um, the basics, lots of recipes and some home workouts. And then I, Tom Staley Girls kind of stripped that all back to seven habits that you can just that you can incorporate into your everyday life to be able to start feeling better, whether that's mindfulness, uh, digital detoxing, uh, the food that you eat, the workouts that you're doing, the stretching. There's, there's so many different elements to being able to feel healthier and happier. It's not just about all of a sudden being, you know, the perfect image of a body that you've always had. It's about feeling happy and healthy inside. And when you start feeling happy and healthy inside, then that's when the transformation can happen on the outside. Uh, Tom, on, on behalf of uh, everyone associated with Balance, just huge thanks for everything, and we we wish you all the luck in the world for the future. And and well, do, you know, well done in recent weeks, and, and best of, best of British for for this weekend. Oh, thank you very much. Thank so, you. Take care, mate. Thank you as always, Tom. Thank you later. Thanks. Bye. So we're delighted to be joined by Dr. Eleanor Taroni. Um, Eleanor, rather than um, introducing myself, perhaps you could just give us a brief overview as to what it is that you do. 
Thank you, Sophie. Um, so I'm a consultant psychologist. Uh, I have worked in the NHS in different mental health services for many years and currently I'm running a private clinic in London called the Chelsea Psychology Clinic. Um, and I work with people with a very broad range of emotional difficulties. Thank you. Could you, as a, an advocate of therapy myself, could you just say a little bit about what that actually means, uh, a consultant psychologist? So a consultant psychologist is somebody who has already had a first degree in psychology, has then gone off and done several years of postdoctoral, of postgraduate um, training in, in, a for, in a form of applied psychology, such as clinical or counselling psychology. So you would have seven years of training just to begin with. And then to become a consultant, you need to have a certain level of seniority within the NHS. So you would need to have gone through all the ranks of being a senior psychologist and of managing services and supervising other psychologists. So usually you would have to have been working for at least seven or eight years before you become a, become a consultant. Amazing. So, um, with your experience, what kind of issues are presenting themselves the most when, when people are coming to see you these days? Very interestingly, I would say anxiety is the most common presenting issue when people come to see me, but I think that's because, to an extent, a lot of different difficulties can be understood by the person as anxiety, or the symptom that they might be experiencing in the most prevalent way is anxiety. However, it can also be that underlying anxiety could be relationship difficulties, could be low self-esteem, could be difficulties with eating, could be all sorts of other presenting problems, but to an extent what often people might recognise first is that they're feeling very anxious. So it's not that they're misdiagnosed with anxiety, the anxiety is real? Absolutely. Okay. The anxiety is real, it is just that in a way what is most within the awareness of the person struggling with something is the anxiety because anxiety is such a, an obvious symptom to experience, yeah. in a way it causes so much interference with our life that you're likely to feel it very, very strongly. But usually, as psychologists, we do try to understand what might be the underlying causes of the anxiety, because if we only treat the anxiety, then some symptoms might dissipate. But if the underlying cause isn't treated, then they might, at a subsequent stage, present in a, just a slightly different form. Can I just ask you, you've said that anxiety is the most obvious um, thing to, to feel or to you know to get in touch with but actually what does anxiety feel like I mean there might be people listening to this who are, who are wondering if they are suffering with anxiety or not so what are, what are the kind of their physiological because, um, effects of anxiety because the way I feel it yeah. is probably different to the way you feel yes. it and the way you know it's, it's diff different for everyone isn't it it's absolutely different and actually some people feel it in a very physiological way mm -hmm. so what you're describing which might be you might feel your heart beating very fast particularly in response to a particular event that is making you anxious or in your commute to work because work is making you very anxious yeah yeah so all sorts of different sort of tri triggers in a way but you might be feeling it as your heart beating fast or sweating or a general kind of restlessness and agitation you might feel it even as irritability and not being able to actually feel particularly attuned with people around you, um, a wish to avoid situations or a wish to withdraw, so anxiety has a lot of behavioural urges that go with it. So you might not be feeling the anxiety but you might be feeling like I don't want to go to work today, I want to avoid it altogether mm -hmm. or I want to avoid particular people in particular situations. 
or you might be feeling it more in a cognitive way so sometimes you feel it as something is going on in your mind in a very repetitive way mm. like a rumination about a particular event or difficulties in your life that you find difficult to resolve and a constant attempt to solve a problem that maybe you don't feel has a solution and some people unfortunately might experience all of the above as well which is the most unfortunate but all of these are manifestations of anxiety in different ways may I ask how do, how would a person so imagine someone listening to this and they would like to explore therapy or find out more how how would one go about finding or ascertaining which type of therapy is is best for them it's such a difficult thing and I would say it's almost like finding a good partner therapy in a way um, <laughs> to an yeah. extent you would you would need to know a little bit about I guess the relationship between your presenting difficulty and the type of therapeutic approach that has been found to be effective. That's simply on the level of sort of matching you to the right approach, let alone to the right therapist. But a starting point is, for instance, common presenting difficulties such as anxiety and depression have, and ev- there is particular therapy such as cognitive behavioral therapy that has a very good evidence base for those types of difficulties. Mm-hmm. So it's good to do a bit of research online. There is an institute called NICE, um, which represents all the clinical guidelines for all different conditions. Uh, and then you can look up if there is specific guidelines for your condition. And they will usually have done, they will have collected all the available research that tells you which type of therapeutic approach works with which type of difficulty. Mm-hmm. And then it's also very much about a personal connection. Mm-hmm. So I would say that if somebody sees a therapist and they don't feel that they have connected, then it's important to pay attention to that and potentially try to see someone else because apart from it being the right type of therapy you also want to feel safe you want to feel that the relationship is one in which you can open up you can be yourself and you feel that the person understands you that isn't to say that therapy doesn't present with some difficulties in the therapeutic relationship and of course if you don't feel safe with anyone you meet then that is probably something you need to work on in therapy right. itself. So it's important not to abort the process and feel like, oh, no therapist is any good. But uh, it's a balancing act in a way, trying to think, okay, does this feel okay for me? Does it feel right instinctively? But also ask some questions about the th- to the therapist about their training, raise any concerns that you have and see how they respond, mm-hmm. because you'll be able to tell a lot by the way a therapist is able to be open with you and transparent and also help you make sense of what you might be finding challenging about the process. What about when it comes to picking a gender for a therapist? How, how important is that, do you think? Well, some people seem to have a very strong preference, mm-hmm. and I think that when people do, then that's important to respect. Now, that isn't to say that there aren't benefits in working with a gender you find most uncomfortable to work with, because sometimes there's a reason for this. Mm-hmm. Might go back to our early experiences with parents um, and what felt safe with either parent or either gender. Um, so I would say as a starting point, it's probably best to go with the gender of the therapist that you feel most comfortable with. Mm-hmm. But I think it's also important to pay attention to whether there is a real reason or issue why you would avoid a particular gender and even further down the line because I also don't believe that people should only ever have one therapist ever in their life. Sometimes we can get a lot from one course of therapy with one person and one approach that helped us at a certain point in life and then further down the line there might be something else that you want to address and a very different person, a very different approach can give you a very different perspective. Mm -hmm. God, I feel like I was having an affair on my therapist. (laughs) I don't think I I couldn't live with the guilt. (laughs) 
<laughs> That's so interesting. Well, I I would say I would say some people obviously see the same person throughout their life, but I genuinely do believe that uh, you get such a different perspective from different individuals. Because with your therapist, if you've seen them for years and if you have a really solid relationship, <laughs> over time you have internalized them, and that's exactly the way it's meant to work. Which means that you know what they're likely to say, and that's how good therapy works. That you you take on board something and it's almost like a message that they've given you that you can give to yourself and that's why therapy is meant to work after it's finished. If you see somebody different, they might they might pick up on a part of you that your previous therapist just didn't sure. because they're a different person and they have different training and different uh, things that they pay attention to. So there is a benefit to that as well. What about um, making therapy accessible to people? So some people listening to this podcast may think, you know, I'd love to try it out, but I can't afford, you know, upwards of £50 a week. Have you got any tips or recommendations for those people? Well, I would say that, of course, therapy in certain parts of the country is accessible within the NHS and improving access to psychological therapies has created a real opportunity for people to have access to psychological therapy. Also, uh, these days there is a lot of online therapy platforms that are trying to offer therapy at a lower cost. Mm -hmm. And I would say that, again, even though some of us might have some sort of issue with seeing a therapist online, I think as long as one does their research and they try to find good quality therapy online, it does exist and that's an alternative. And of course within the third sector there's organisations such as mine that have for a very long time now offered access to really good quality mental health. So uh, it's about doing research and finding all the low cost places Mm -hmm. that might be able to provide an opportunity to test what therapy is. You, you mentioned earlier about it's like finding the, the right partner. Is it is it that, not simple, but is it just trusting your gut so that if something feels right, then you just stick with, with that therapist? Yes, I would say that if something feels right, then you do stick with that therapist. I think that you would know if you weren't feeling comfortable with somebody pretty quickly. It's only a question of, of a threshold of when do you act on it. Mm. Do you straight away say, no, this person isn't right for me? Because when you know that it's right, you kind of know. If you don't, you aren't sure it's right, then I guess I would say try to discuss it first with the therapist that you're seeing rather than leave straight away. And if you feel that it's still not working out, then it is probably a good opportunity to try to see someone else. Because my confession is, I probably started therapy about just under 15 years ago, and the, the very first therapist I met with, I felt this instant rapport, this bond. I mean, I, I on some level, I... I, I lucked out. I, I, no, but I yeah, really... You were very fortunate. But that's, that's freakish, I'm guessing, then. Well, it isn't. Sometimes that happens. I, I don't know. I mean, in my experiences, because I have certainly had therapy at different times in, times in my life, and um, sometimes I have seen lots of different people before I made a decision as to who was right, and definitely when I found the right person, I knew. Mm. And other times... I have met one person and that person was immediately right. So I can completely relate to what you're describing, that you know when it's right and you know, usually the better you know yourself, the, the better you can tell that it's right. Because sometimes people go to therapy with no expectation of what it might feel like. It's very difficult to know if it's right when this is your first experience, you haven't met anyone else and maybe you're a bit apprehensive or a bit ambivalent about therapy. We're talking um, about mental health uh, in honor of Mental Health Awareness Week. Where does psychotherapy and having psychotherapy fit into mental health? Obviously, mental health is a spectrum. We've all got it. But, um, you know, some people have uh, clinical disorders, while other people might have, you know, just a complex relationship with their mind. How can therapy help um, 
a spectrum of people? What are the benefits of it? Yeah, well, I, of course, am very biased to this question mm -hmm. because I'm a big, big proponent of therapy and I believe literally that everybody could benefit from therapy. I don't believe that it's only for people with a very specific kind of mental health disorder. Obviously, if you're really struggling, then therapy can help reduce your symptoms, it can help you understand what your symptoms are really about, and it can help you develop strategies to live life in a more meaningful way. So, for people with significant difficulties, it can make a, quite a fundamental difference to their capacity to live a, a life that is actually really meaningful and really fulfilling for them. For people who might not have as apparent difficulties but a complex relationship with their mind, as you put it, which I think is a great way of putting it, um, it can really help you disentangle the complexity of your mind and it can help you understand that your mind does all sorts of interesting things that cause you all sorts of distress mm. and that you need to be able to observe it and make sense of it so that it doesn't have quite as much of a hold over you so that you can almost be quite curious about the complexity of your mind and all that it can offer you but also all the ways it can hinder you mm. and so in a way therapy is a great way to develop I feel it's a huge tool for personal development are there any, are there any um, uh, websites or the like that you might recommend for someone listening to this who just wants to even dip a toe before they embark on what could be a, a huge journey? I mean, what, what was nice, what the, the thing nice? I'd not heard of that before. So that's the National Institute of Clinical Excellence. They are a kind of um, national organisation that collects all the available research for all kinds of conditions, that's physical health and mental health. And they will research which therapies are effective for which type of problem. So in a way it's always very good. It isn't the Bible in a sense that research can only provide us with an amount of answers and not all the answers, but it can give you a little bit of a sense of, okay, I'm suffering from depression, let me find out what therapies we know. Oh, that's, that's amazing. Yeah, that's really good. Um, and then I would say in terms of other websites, I would say that most psychological websites these days and by, by that I mean psychological websites that are about pe people who are providers of therapy uh, or people who are just providing information about therapy will give you a lot of information about different conditions about different types of therapeutic approach so I would urge people to try to understand a bit about the multiplicity of models mm -hmm. that are out there and read a bit about each model do you have a favourite um, therapy book? I do have a favourite therapy book. people. Yes, yes, I do. So the therapeutic model I love the most is called schema therapy. Mm -hmm. And the reason I love it is because it's completely transdiagnostic. So it means that it, it can apply to everybody. But it can also help you understand things at a much deeper level. Um, just briefly to explain that a schema is a way that we see the world. So it influences everything about the way in which we behave and feel and think. And the book is called Reinventing Your Life. And it sounds like a super pop psychology book, but it's actually not. It's a very well written book that talks about our patterns, which it describes in the using the phrase of life traps. And it has a chapter for different patterns. And usually reading that book helps you very quickly identify common ways in which you might be repeating experiences from the past and it also has many suggestions for change. I'm going to check that out. I haven't read that one. Have you recorded any audio? Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.
A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Books or audio files? No. Well, I'm here to tell you that you should... <laughs> Even your very your very aura and essence is soothing, and I mean this this is this is therapy for Sophie and me. Oh, brilliant! You know I love doing this kind of thing. I mean that's the thing. I absolutely love it. I absolutely. I've done videos and I've done like whenever anybody wants me to do something, yeah. I'm like yeah yeah I'll do it because I really enjoy it. Well, it's also so important because what I wanted to ask you about is whether you are seeing that the stigma of mental health, surrounding mental health, whether that's changing, and if so, why? And hopefully it's because more conversations like this are happening. Exactly. What's your experience? I think the stigma of mental health is definitely changing. It's quite unbelievable the amount of people that are currently seeking psychological therapy. Like, I see it from in the clinic. I know it from all my colleagues that still work in the NHS, that the, you know, the amount of people seeking therapy has more than tripled even in the last 12 months. So there is something really, Bloody hell. Yeah, there's something really massive going on where I think there's been a lot of work on awareness and on reducing stigma and on people speaking out and of course you know more celebrities speaking out the royal family speaking out like it's incredibly important that it's it's okay now to say that you're suffering from depression or bipolar disorder or an eating disorder or whatever it is because it means that people no longer keep quiet. Tripled in 12 Tripled. months is Astonishing. It's astonishing. It's astonishing. I mean, something Sophie and I have talked about, um, are we seeing a shift in how men talk about mental health? I mean, it it feels like it, but yet, I wonder if it's... uh, statistically true. Well it's interesting if I could just intercept because this year's theme of Mental Health Awareness Week is body image and um, it's saying here I'm reading 25% of those affected by an eating disorder in the UK today are male and the number of adult men admitted to hospital with an eating disorder has risen by 70% um, in six years between 2010 and 2016. Why do you think that is? Do you think that is because men are suffering more with eating disorders? I think I think that men might not be suffering more with eating disorders, but actually I think that men are much more comfortable also speaking out. Yeah. You know, it's quite consistent with also the fact that we do see more men seeking psychological therapy these days across the board. So um, I think that from my early days working in eating disorders, men were always a, a great man, minority amongst the women. Um, but you always had a sense that that can't be quite right. I mean, it's much more that men present with slightly different symptoms when they present to mental health services, so they're picked up when they have, say, anger difficulties rather than something that's more kind of internal. So um, 
I think that it is a matter of sort of people being more comfortable to seek help than they were some time ago rather than people having more difficulties mm. with their eating these days than mm. they did before. Um, and body image is such an interesting one because it definitely is a difficulty that is across the board, presents itself in so many different diagnosis let's say so from the people that have the very quite severe body dysmorphic disorder whose life is greatly impaired by it um, to people who might suffer from depression or anxiety or relationship difficulties where their self-esteem is greatly impacted by how they their relationship with their body and how mm. they see it thank you I maybe just to conclude those people will be listening to this on their commute um, and it seems that the commute is one of the most stressful times of day. Have you got any tips or techniques that um, people can, can try right now, perhaps they're sardined into a busy carriage, to just help alleviate the, you know, the symptoms of anxiety? Yes, I would say uh, something that I expect a lot of people know about, which is mindfulness, because I'm a great proponent of mindfulness. I tend to start my day every day now, quite sort of religiously, with uh, doing a mindfulness exercise. And what is great about mindfulness is that you can do it on your commute. These days, there's an abundance of apps and different even kind of free apps that have different mindfulness tracks and some of them are about mindfulness in a public space where you can even take account of what you're experiencing around you even if you're on a very busy train but be mindful of it which means that you're developing a different relationship with your mind it calms you also you can set an intention for your day and that might be about paying attention to your feelings that might be about being compassionate with yourself so i would say that a very easy way to try to improve well-being, mental well-being, is to just incorporate short bursts of mindfulness into our daily life. And so on that pack train, perhaps paying attention to the breath or... Paying attention to the breath, paying attention to your body, paying attention to your thoughts. There might be all sorts of preoccupation about your day ahead or your evening ahead, but not seeing it and bringing your attention back to being in the present moment and what that feels like. And just acknowledging where you are in that moment, mm -hmm. how you've woken up this day, what's going on for you, so that then for the rest of your day you can have that awareness rather than act on all those stresses and anxieties in a way that maybe is not within your awareness mm. and therefore is by default much more problematic. When I'm feeling anxious I tend to focus on my feet. I find that really sort of helps to ground me. Yes, that sounds brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. I, just, I wish, um, I hope as many people as possible are listening to this on public transport because do you not think people look People look so sad first thing. Does it break your heart? Yeah, it, it is one of the most stressful and uh, difficult experiences, public transport, I agree. And and in a way, I think if everybody was a little bit more mindful, also you wouldn't have this experience where people are pushing each other and it's just this kind of sense of being a slight little bit of a jungle where everybody's frantically trying to get to work. So uh, I think that you know the more people have their headphones on and are listening to something that's a bit more soothing and calming, uh, we would all be starting our working day much happier. Perfect. Eleanor, thank you so much for joining us. This has been fantastic. Eleanor, can we, can you um, say a bit, if someone wanted to book your services or find out more about you, is there a way that they can do that, please? Yes, of course. So the clinic that I run is called the Chelsea Psychology Clinic and the website is www.thechelseapsychologyclinic.com um, so if anybody wanted to uh, to get in touch I would be delighted to try and help
Thank you so much. Thank you so much for inviting me. Thank you. Bless you. That was great. Thank you. So we are now joined by Matt Lindsay, who is a PT over at Raw Fitness Mm -hmm. um, and a uh, body transformation expert. So um, can you just give our listeners just a quick overview of kind of what you do and what you stand for, Matt? Sure. Um, Thanks for having me first and foremost. Pleasure. so what I do is I, uh, well, it's better to talk about RAW as a whole, I guess. We uh, have people come in and there's like a full holistic approach to health. So people come in and we have um, a movement screening. So we make sure obviously that people don't get injured. It's very important if they want to change something in, their, in themselves. Um, we talk to them about their nutrition. We put a bespoke nutrition plan together for them. Um, and then obviously we have, they are then assigned to a trainer who will look after them from, we tend to work in blocks of eight and 12 weeks initially. And the idea, obviously they come to me with, with a why, what their goal is, what they want to get out of it. Um, and my goal is to deliver that to them. So to help them get in the best shape they've been in. Um, and that doesn't necessarily just mean uh, aesthetically, so how they look, but a lot of people's goals are also based around how they feel, feeling confident, um, you know, going, for example, I don't know, wearing short sleeves or taking the t-shirt off on a beach holiday or whatever that might be for them. But everyone's goals, of course, are different and unique to them. Great, thank you. I mean, as we know, this, this year's theme of Mental Health Awareness Week is body image. Mm-hmm. And um, just looking at your Instagram over here, I mean, you know, you've got a pretty perfect pretty perfect torso here and thank you very much <laughs> and, and and multiple pictures of it um which that's are, a new which thing are though a joy, a joy to look at um, but you. i'm just wondering whether you're kind of um perhaps giving off the wrong um perspective especially to men who might look at this i mean james i don't know what you think when you look at this if i'm honest i'm not just saying this so that matt will give me some free classes but I, if when, if i look at that i think i would like to look like that. I don't, so I don't feel ashamed. But I know, I know we're all different because some people might. Envious? No, not envious. No. But I think, yeah, God, that, that would be nice to look like that. Mm-hmm. But I don't, but I, I take nothing negative from looking so like that. So it's aspirational for you? Very much so. Right, okay. Am I prepared to do anything about it? No. Your poor wife. Jokes aside, you know, and thank you for James for sharing that because I think that's. That's right. And that sounded glib, but I, I, yeah, that was that was genuine. that was I was also being genuine there. Yeah. yeah. Um, but there will be a, a lot of men out there who don't have that response. Sure. Who mm-hmm. um, actually feel really bad about themselves sure. as a result of seeing this kind of image of perfection in front of them. Mm-hmm. So I just suppose um, I'm interested in, in in your perspective on that. Um, so first and foremost. I've not always been in great shape. I have times where I'm in better shape than other times. Um, in this moment, I literally finished a photo shoot about 10 days ago, hence the topless pics. Um, but what I wanted to show um, is what can be achieved in the time frame that you work. If, you, if your why is big enough, and if you, if you have that goal, obviously, as I say, my job is to deliver that to someone if they would like that, and to show them that it, what is possible. And for a lot of people, they don't know what's achievable. They don't know what's realistic for them to do. So I only want to show you then that this is possible. And um, when I had, I, you're looking at that picture, but if you go back a little bit, I had 
also I put a very very honest picture out a few weeks ago which was me when I was not in shape um, this was in January and I was not in my best place mentally um, and from that it was for me like a light bulb moment to really pull my finger out and I realised if I'm trying to get other people to um, be inspired to exercise to eat well then I also need to live that um, but I understand also that there is a responsibility for the um, human element of what we do and me not being Superman is totally okay because sure. it's, it's hard as a trainer and quite, you put yourself quite vulnerable when you put a picture out there of you. Of course, in, this is your job, yeah, outside, right? Outside, outside so, shape, yeah. 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 But, to, but um, without rattling on and on. No, that's what um, we want. Yeah, okay. Well, being... Um, the, the pictures doesn't necessarily mean that I was loads... Uh, what someone's physical change is normally, um, in this sort of programme, a consequence of self-love, so looking after themselves better. And the first picture that I had, which I, which I took in January in my mum's bathroom, um, and I just went, Jesus, I need to get myself back in shape, um, was the moment of where I looked at myself and thought, okay, I need, to, I need to change something now. So putting that out on social media as a trainer, put myself in a position to get massively shot down. It's like, how can he tell me what to do if, if he's letting himself get like that? So there needed to be the process of showing that I can also um, change that in someone else, mm -hmm. as well as myself, obviously. This year, the theme of Mental Health Awareness Week is body image. Can you just say a few words about how uh, body image might impact different people, what it might mean to different people, how we might interpret what we mean by body image? Um, I think body image is the way that you view yourself, um, the way you view other people. Um, and that is normally a reflection of how you feel mentally. So, for example, a lot of people would like to lose weight and be a certain weight. And I ask them, why? Why do you want to be 70 kilos rather than 80 kilos? And often they're, they're mentally going back to a place where they felt happier. So, but that's not necessarily the answer, you know? Like, actually, if they... Um, That's so interesting. Yeah, it's it's a weird one, right? Like, so, so they remember in the year twenty eleven when they yeah. weighed. Let's say they're remembering their student years, right? And they were fun years, no responsibility. They were young and could get away with murder for what they ate, <laughs> and their body was very forgiving. You know, you don't look after your body for another ten years, then it doesn't work so well. You don't feel so well. Your energy sure. is lower, and they're although people have a massive link with what their weight is and how they feel and I try to um, make them understand that the weight is not the only thing which dictates what people think about you or what you might think about yourself. If we're going purely on a superficial level, if let's say um, someone is walking down on the beach, as an example I sometimes use for clients, I say to them, let's say it's a, a female client and she's telling me that she wants to weigh 50 kilos, which is, you know, very light. Yeah. And, and I say, why do you want to weigh 50 kilos? And they say, ah, you know, I, I felt good at this time when I was 50 kilos and everything was right and I fit in all my jeans and stuff. And I say, what if you were 55 kilos, but you felt better about yourself? Um, I say, you may even aesthetically look better if you have a little muscle as well. 
I said, when people see you in a bikini or when you see yourself in the mirror, there's no weight written above your head. No one knows what you weigh. And so, so being obsessed about that, about weight, for example, as, as one part of body image, is a bit dormant to me because we have people of all shapes and sizes and a big part of how your body image is how you carry yourself. Yes. And that comes from confidence. That comes from um, feeling good about yourself and self, as I say, the word self-love again, but it's, it's really, really relevant here. How you, a lot of people come in for a transformation and they skulk into the room their shoulders are rounded forward. They don't want to have their before picture taken, which I get. I that really says everything, understand. doesn't it? It says everything yeah. because they're in a bad mental place, you know. Um, and very, very often, come off the end of an eight or 12 weeks, they're proud of what they've achieved. They often surprise themselves what they're capable of. They've changed a load of their habits to be much healthier. Mm. And as a consequence, mentally, they feel much better. Mm. So actually, the final result is potato, potato. It's actually about how they feel and a consequence is normally they look a damn sight um, healthier and are healthier than when they first arrived. Um, Matt, thank you so much for joining us today. Now, can, before we go, can you give the quick, in terms of if people wanted to yes. book you or visit Raw, can you mm -hmm. just give a bit of information there, please? Absolutely. Um, so I'll be delighted. Uh, so <laughs> that would be my sister who owns a business. Um, so you can... Find us if you write Raw Fitness London into Google. Um, you can find me on Instagram through um, Raw Matt PT, um, and or Raw if you write Raw Fitness London, or in fact if you write Raw Fitness anything, you'll find us. And and that's Raw like a lion. Raw like a lion. Yes, R O A R. So not. You can use that on the on for the for the advert. We're gonna we're gonna soundbite that actually. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I can do better. No, no, hang on, let's pause and let's go again then. No, um, so that's, that's where you can find us. We are based at the moment at the Gherkin, or very near the Gherkin, by Liverpool Street Station. So we're very central in London at the moment, and we plan to open another couple of gyms this year. Bloody hell. So business is booming. It's been so successful, and I think we've changed so many lives for the positive that I hope that we have a platform now to continue to do that. And thanks for your help, for helping us put the word out there. Our absolute pleasure. Thank you for all your wisdom. That was a real education. Thanks so much. Thanks, Matt. Cool. That is the, that's the end of a, a, a bumper bonus episode. Three guests. Blimey, my dream was to be the new David Letterman. That's the, that's as close as, I, as I've come. Three guests. Thank you to all of them. They were, they were wonderful, all in their own uh, unique way. I hope, we hope you got a lot out of that. Um, as ever, podcast at balance.media. Drop me a line. Say hello. <laughs> so sad. Please, please just say hello. Uh, podcast at balance.media. And then for sales, sales, the sales team, they'd love to hear from you. Uh, sales at balance.media media have a lovely weekend um thank you as always you can probably tell i don't want to get off the microphone imagine that one week just see how long you last for i'm just gonna carry on talking for the next three hours um yeah have a, have a lovely weekend thank you as always and uh we're, we're we are super super grateful yeah take care uh podcast at balance.media planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.